0: Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church today. We hope this message blesses you. If you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com. Now here's the message. If you've been doing the Bible reading plan, we are in 2 Chronicles. And the guy and the storyline that I'm going to talk about today is very unique. So if you have a Bible, it's going to be 2 Chronicles chapter 34. One through seven is going to be the main text that I'm going to talk through, um, of course be all over the place, but it's a guy named Josiah, so it's a really neat story. It's, it's something that I knew, I actually kind of hoped that I was going to get this in the Bible reading plan a couple months ago, and so it just so happened, so I think the Lord was, was working that out for me. Anyways, let's read it together, and then we'll pray, and then I'll get into this. Uh, Chapter 34, we'll read 1 through 7. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. He reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Walked in the ways of David, his father, and did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet a boy, he began to seek the God of David, his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the asherum, the carved and metal images. And they chopped down the altars of the Baals in his presence, and he cut down the altars that stood above them. He broke in pieces the asherum and the carved and metal images, and he made dust of them and scattered it over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He also burned the bones of the priests, <laughs> yeah, this says this, he also burned the bones of the priests on their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, uh, and Simeon, and as far as Naphtali, in their re- ruins all around. Uh, he broke down the altars and beat the ashram and the images into powder, cut down all the incense altars throughout all the land of Israel, then he returned to Jerusalem." So, Josiah is, becomes king at eight, does he not? Did you read that? Is, did anybody else think, wait a minute, what just happened there? We're, we're going to make an eight-year-old the king? Um, and so I broke this down today into four points. But the first point I'm going to jump right into is right off the gate is that, is God uses kids. Amen? And so next service, it'll be a lot easier. This service, it probably won't land. I don't think, are there any eight-year-olds in here? If you are, just raise your hand if you're eight. All right, I didn't think there would be. I scouted out last week and I thought, I don't think there's eight years old, eight-year-olds in there. Next service will probably be a hundred of them. But anyways, so next service, I'm actually hoping that I can get an eight-year-old to come up and we're gonna ask him a few questions to get into the eye of what an actual eight-year-old can you imagine your boss right now? Can you imagine your company, a CEO, a leader, of the, uh, shoot, even at this church or whatever, was an eight-year-old? I mean, for a minute, just put your mind on that. I had a conversation with a six-year-old yesterday in my hot tub. She's my youngest daughter, Abigail. And uh, I thought, I'd like to get into the mind of a young, real young person. So Abigail, we're sitting in the hot tub, picking her brain. And I'm like, so if you, had, if you had total power, Abigail, what would you do? She's like, total power? You know, doesn't even understand. I said, if you could do anything you want to do. And I had almost even kind of in that. I'm like, okay, you could make in our household, you could make Tuesdays where we only eat ice cream right? Or you could make, you could make, we only eat this or do this, or there's a fun day here. And she starts getting it and she starts, yeah, I'd I'd probably do that, dad. I'd probably do that. That'd be fun. But then literally guys, within 30 seconds to a minute, she says, I got to show you my gross toe. I'm not kidding. She just picked up her foot and said, there's my gross toe, dad. So in my brain, I'm like six to eight, it's probably not a giant jump. So Josiah might be like, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do that. Hey, does anybody want to see my gross toe? You know what I mean, <laughs> kids. You know it, it's hard to say what this looked like, and I know he had counsel and he had people all around him and stuff. But but I want you to hear this: God uses kids, and everybody in this room is connected to a kid in some way, shape, or form. You really are. Some are grandparents, some are parents, some are siblings, some are friends. But you got young people, teenagers, and younger around you. Do you not? And so sometimes we have a tendency to think that God can't use them. They're too young, they're too rebellious, they're too this, they're too that. But I wanna say to you this morning that God uses kids. He used Samuel, he used David, right? David was not an old man when he took on Goliath. He used Daniel, right, when he gets over there and they're like, hey, eat this. And daniels he's a young, young man when Babylon took over, right? Look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Young men, friends of Daniel. Young Hebrew boys, Mary, Mary, 13 to 14 years old, scholars believe is when she got pregnant with Jesus. God uses kids, does he not? Look at Jesus. Jesus at 12 years old gets in, kind of in trouble by mom because he like is in the temple teaching and talking with the priests, right? And he's in there and they're like, they're, they're actually amazed of his knowledge and his understanding, 12 years old, Jesus. Then look at his disciples, You'll see this. The disciples, a lot of people, like, of course, Peter, because he was married, they believe he was one on the older end, but a lot of the other ones, just where they died in their life, like John, they were young men. They were teenagers. God uses young people. We have a tendency to see this guy and think that's the only people. (laughs) My my Abigail said last week, she said, is that Jesus? Like, during Andrew's preaching, and she's like, is that Jesus? Jesus. No, that's just some old man sitting on a thing, whatever. But we have a tendency to think that, don't we? We're always thinking that's the guy, that's the look, that's the one that God uses, not the youngsters, not the little ones. And I'm, and I'm here to say God uses them. So look at 1 Samuel 3, 1 through 10 with me. This is probably one of the biggest pictures of, of God using a, a kid. And, and the backstory is Hannah could not get, Samuel's mom couldn't get pregnant, she goes, she's praying, she basically makes a deal with God, if you give me a child, I'll dedicate him to you. And this is where, so she, her dedication to him is she brings him, once he's weaned, she brings him into the, the temple and gives him to Eli the priest, and he's like a servant in the, in the priesthood or in the, the, whatever you want to call that, synagogue. Anyways, so, so three, I want to just start with three, one. Now the boy, I underlined that, look, the boy, Samuel, the boy, Samuel, was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli just serving Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent, frequent vision. Scholars believe at this time, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna talk about this a little bit, but this, there was about 300 years of silence that had gone on. Like God hadn't spoke to his people or Israel through, through a prophet, okay? Silent time, quiet, a lot of wickedness, judges time, a lot of ugly things going on. And even in the temple, even in where Eli and his sons, they were wicked, there was a lot of nastiness going on. Anyways, carry on. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel and he said, here I am. And ran to Eli and said, here I am. And for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again Samuel. And Samuel arose and he went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Listen to that. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. This was an awakening for Samuel. And he becomes this mighty prophet, as we all know. But this is like a child getting this thing and it, uh-oh, I don't recognize this. This is unusual to me. And so anyway, so that's what, that's what he's trying to say. So now Samuel did not yet know the Lord and the word of God, the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time and he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you, called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Guys, listen. Samuel's a kid, and you know what the Lord spoke to him? And in the morning, he goes. He was afraid to actually go talk to Eli. I would be too. He goes, and and Eli says, tell me everything, withhold nothing. And Samuel, young Samuel has to tell him basically that God is bringing judgment on you and your house and this is, this is over. Tough word, right? <laughs> that's not, the first prophetic word that you ever had to give, that's probably not the one you want to, right? Um, and that God's getting ready to do a great work and, and we all know, and then actually the Bible says that Samuel's prophetic words did not fall to the ground. He, it means that this guy was not just saying stuff and then hoping that it landed, he was like batting a thousand prophetically, Okay? But God decided, just this, this, check this out, God decided to start speaking to his people again through a kid. Amen? And we have the tendency to say, no, you should have spoke to them or those or that. Why would you speak to Samuel? He's just a kid. But God spoke to him. God spoke to him. Okay? Okay? When I was probably eight, I grew up in a Christian home, as many of you know, and I grew up and I, I knew God, I did. I, uh, I didn't want to rebel, I wanted to follow him. I, I, I just had this idea that he loved me. I never really questioned that. And praise God for that, I'm not sitting here bragging. But I'm like, so I got in this relationship with God probably around eight years old myself. And ever since I was a kid, I just believed God. I believed the Word. I trusted it. I believed He was for me, even when things didn't work out. I also believed that I was supposed to be in ministry. And so, sometimes when God, you know, speaks to you, and there's a, there's some young folks in here. Sometimes when God starts pushing or speaking or dropping things in your spirit about where He wants you to go and who He wants you to be, oftentimes it never looks out looks like it you actually think it would. I knew I'd be in ministry. I actually thought I was called to be in full-time ministry. I didn't ever think I would be doing what I'm doing, running a business, and I've not gotten paid to do ministry, and I'm 41. So I'm doing what I knew God dropped in my spirit back then, but it's not looked like I thought it would. So just let me, let me speak some of that to you guys. Like, when God's moving and speaking, and, and you're reading the Bible, and he's talking to you, just... Just trust him and walk in that and believe it. But it, it won't look like, oftentimes it doesn't look like what you think, what your mind's eye sees when you're like, ooh, I'm going to do this, or God's calling me to that, or I'm feeling led to be here or there or whatever. So, And that's okay. That's good news. But do we get in the way sometimes of God and kids or kids and God getting to each other? I want you to look at Matthew 19, and let's talk about this for a minute. Matthew 19, 13, through 15. This is this is my favorite guy, Jesus. Matthew 19, 13 through 15 says, Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people. <laughs> but this is this is this is us. This is what this is what we have we do so often, and not necessarily nasty people, these are disciples, God's followers. And so, so picture this, there's a bunch of people, moms and dads, probably, maybe aunts and uncles, grandparents saying, look, it's Jesus, we want Jesus to bless our kids, right? That's a good thing. And, but Jesus is busy, Jesus is a minister, Jesus has crowds, Jesus is serious, right? And, I lo- and that's how we, we tend to think, like, this is so serious, God forbid a kid interrupts. And the disciples, as good as their hearts were and as humble as they were following Jesus, they were like, no, no, keep the kids away. He's busy. No, 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 no. You're too young. You're distracting. Eh, stay out. And, and, and Jesus, what's he say? But Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Isn't that a beautiful picture of our Savior? Do you think like that? Do you think, do you see that, Jesus? I do. Jesus, I think, would be up here just preaching and praying and casting devils out, but I see a five-year-old running and just smacking his leg, and he's like, oh, hey, let's, let's hang out. That's Jesus. Never forget that. Allow, just like Jesus, allow whatever you're doing to be interrupted by youngsters. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn this just a little bit. Here's the other thing not just physically young. Do we get in the way of spiritually young people, which could be any age, hear me on this, do we as Christians, disciples of Jesus, sometimes get in the way of younger spiritual people getting to Jesus? Have we done that? Do we do that? Do we rebuke them? or call them out, or judge them, or stand in the way, or say, you don't talk right, you don't walk right, you don't look right, I don't like, and we get in the way of younger believers getting to Jesus, do we not? It's religion, it's what it does, it's like it builds a barrier, and God help us. So, do you care that you're hindering people from getting to Jesus, and Jesus getting to people? Do you care that there might be young people? And for some of you, you're an example. You're you're an older brother, you're an older sister, you're a grandparent, you're a parent, and you're an example. And your example is getting in the way. I'm not trying to condemn everybody here, but I'm also trying to poke on some things that I let the Holy Spirit work on. You know your life. You know who's watching you. You know who's looking up at you, both young and Older that might be young in their faith? And are you living and talking and walking in a manner that is, that is inviting to Jesus and, and bringing them in? Or are we hindering? Are we hindering? Okay? So, we pray a lot about this as elders. We, we, we love the kids of this church, we love the younger in the faith. That doesn't doesn't mean you could be 60 and young in your faith, and we love you, and we don't want to hinder you, so bring your questions, bring your doubts, bring your worries, and we'll work through them, because we don't want to hinder. We want to be inviting. We want to be the way. We want you to grow, and sometimes that's how you grow, amen? It's all right. I'll amen myself. Caleb, give me an amen. Yeah, there we go. That's why I keep He's a plant, you see? I'm like, he's my plant. Amen. Amen. I needed that. Well, in the spirit, uh, I, got, I got three more points that I'll pump through pretty quick, but it, I got these sub points, and, and I'm going to say some things. Just, I believe in the spirit of shepherding. Um, I believe the Lord has put this on my heart, and it's, it's, this is going to be more angled towards parents, but I think everybody in here can receive something for it. Um, so, as parents, when it comes to our kids, how are we doing? Are we getting in the way of them getting to Jesus? Are we hindering Jesus and them or their relationship? Okay? So here's some topics that I I just want to throw out. They're subtopics to my points. Number one way that you can get out of the way and not be a hindrance is, just like our church, pretty much our motto, if you will. We're what? Taught by the word and we're led by the spirit. So as parents... We all know the scripture or we should know the scripture, like train up a child in the way they should go and they will not depart from that, right? It's good scripture, it's in Proverbs. We, that scripture, right? And there's another scripture, scripture's about dads not basically being too harsh on their, there's a lot of scripture, so taught by the word. Mom, dad, what's the Bible say about you, your family and your kids? Grandma and grandpa, what's it say? Brothers and sisters, what's it say? Do you know what the word of God says about you and your position in life right now? If you do not, you just got a homework assignment. If you're a kid, if you're a child, you have a homework assignment. What's it say? Honor mother and father. This is an actual promise with long life and some good things in there, right? You all, we all have an assignment when we read the Bible. There's nobody that it doesn't hit. You could be the youngest and there's something for you. You could be the oldest and there's something for you. That's what I love about the Bible. So we are taught by the word church, But we are also a led by the Spirit church which can make some people a little nervous but let me tell you, led by the Spirit is this. God, I'm teaching the Bible to my kids, I'm raising them in the word but I don't know what to do here. Will you lead me and talk to me? And Heather and I have done this and it's beautiful because invite the Holy Spirit into your parenting, into your relationships because here's what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit will will give you warnings. Sometimes he will be like, don't let them spend the night with Jimmy. I, I kid you not. not, and you're like, why, I don't know. The Holy Spirit, right, we, we are led by the Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is gonna help you parent. It, the Spirit of the Lord is helping you parent. So taught by the word, led by the Spirit. And it kinda goes on the next one that is, it, it, there's a lot of people in this church that I'm friends with that are godly people that right now are, are praying and seeking God do I homeschool? Do I public school? Oh, don't go there, Jeremiah, right? Because <laughs> I'm telling you, man, shots get fired on this. But we're not going to back away from this conversation. And here's what I want you to hear. No condemnation from this guy on either side. That's what, that's what I want to be saying. That's what I want you to hear. There's no condemnation in that. But this is where led by the Spirit is vitally important, mom, dad. And I know parents that are literally asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? Do we homeschool? Do we send them to school? Do we go to private school? Do we just let them wander in the woods of Franklin County and kind of figure out how to live off the land? That's a question. That, that's more my demographic over there. <laughs> that's not an option. We're not thinking that. you like, he's a horrible parent. Um, but, but here's the big idea. We can't judge or condemn what others are doing, right? As a church family, what you're called to do might not be what I'm called to do. What the Spirit's leading you to do might not be what the Spirit's leading me to do. And as cobblestone family, we must be loving and kind and and pray for each other and be excited for each other and not bring just because, and then sometimes there's experience, right? Some, Some folks had a bad experience. They did this and they should have done that and so then they tell everybody this is the way to do it. We gotta be careful with that. We gotta be careful with that, okay? Everybody okay? I know it's like a little tricky, but I, I'm, not, I'm not promoting or tearing down either, either or. I could actually tell you about the good of both. I really do. I see good in both. I got friends that are doing both, and I would I'm 100% back that, just so you know where I'm at. But number three in the parenting and the overseeing kind of look is, I, do it this way. Parent in humility and faith, not in pride and fear. This is huge, write this down, because the parenting we, we have a tendency, and this is where I'm going to move a little bit. If your reasoning for homeschooling or public schooling is a fear motive, I would say be careful of that. I'm fearful that Johnny's going to turn into this by being, or I'm fearful that he or she will pick up this or do that. I'm just telling you, it doesn't take long to study your Bible to see that things that are operating in fear are not of God. Amen, that's why I said you gotta be led by the Spirit. If the Spirit's leading you and it's a faith thing, do it. If fear's leading you and it's a worry thing, I'd say go pray more. Go spend some more time before the Lord and get some clear direction. Get some brothers and sisters involved in that. Amen, and these are heavy, I know, but, but so parent in humility, remember, humility. Humility, I pastored youth for years. I did young adults for years. I have a lot of insight, and I'll tell you the truth is, I've seen rebellious homeschool kids, I've seen rebellious public school kids, I've seen good church kids that were all in youth group, and I've seen kids walk away from the Lord, okay? I don't think there's a perfect recipe. I think it's built in humility. I think it's desperate praying of mom and dad. I think it's realizing that your kids aren't perfect. In the spirit of quarantine, we have this idea that we could quarantine away from stuff, right? Oh, quarantine, before they get it. Your kids have the virus. Everybody's like, wait, what? Especially this service, I shouldn't say that. Your kids don't have COVID. Your kids have the sin virus. My kids have the sin virus, do they not? And so we sometimes want to shelter them from the thing that they already have. Everybody's born into sin. Everybody needs saved. It's not like I'm gonna keep them good. They're saved, they're gonna stay saved. No, they they need to find Jesus, right? That's why it's important to be that good example and that godly example. So remember, they have the virus of sin. And so trying to protect them from that, we can't, okay? I got to turn up the pace. I knew this first point was really long. And then the the other thing is, are you equipping them for life? Are we equipping our kids, our neighbors, our young people, our youth? Are we equipping them to face what's out there? Because let me tell you something, what's out there is is very anti-God. I'll just say that. What's out there? What's coming up? What's coming down from top brass down? I mean, guys, come on. I'm not even trying to get political, but what is happening to our world? It is not godly. It does not follow the Bible, amen? And so as Christians, we're like, oh, we don't have to be afraid, but we must pray. We don't have to operate in fear, but we must operate in faith. We must trust the Spirit of the Lord to lead us in this season to get our kids because here's the cool part. Man, I'm about to trip on this every time. Um, check this out. Hannah, she just entrusted trusted her son, her cute little Samuel, to a wicked place. It's like, oh, well, no, it was, it was a priesthood. It was Eli. Eli's sons were bad men doing bad things. And, and, and I think everybody knew it. I believe Hannah knew it. And she sent her son into it because she trusted God. And her son, what, became the guy that heard the Lord. I have a, a 13-year-old daughter. My kids do go to public school. I'm not promoting that. Hear that, I almost have to say it over and over again because that's not the point. But it, Holly, she, in class, they were talking about reincarnation. I don't know what topic brings up reincarnation, but they were talking about. And Holly, 13 years old, stood up, maybe not stood up, but spoke up and said, I don't believe in that. I believe in Jesus and I trust the Lord. And that's what me and my household. And I thought, praise God. Maybe somebody in that class needed to hear it, and I know Christian teachers all the time tell us, "Thank God, thank God that your kids are here to refresh." It's so, so there's both. I'll just leave it at that. All right, let me now. The second big point, and I'm gonna I'm gonna really bust through this. is, is Second Chronicles thirty three twenty one through twenty five. Um, I'll just read it here. Amon was twenty two years old when he began to reign, and he reigned. Oh wow. He reigned two years in Jerusalem and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord as Manasseh his father had done. Amon sacrificed to all the images that Manasseh had, his father had made and served them. And he did not humble himself for the Lord. And Manasseh his father had humbled himself but, but this Amon incurred guilt more and more and his servants conspired against him and put him to death in his house. But the people of the land struck down all those who had conspired against King Amon, and the people of the land made Josiah his son king in his place. What am I making up here? The second big point of the day is this. Just because you grew up in it doesn't mean that's who you are. Josiah's grandpa was not a good leader, not a good king. He repented because of a war situation. Josiah's dad was so evil, so corrupt, his servants actually turned on him. But yet when we read the scripture, Josiah never turned away. Did he? At eight till he dies, he followed God and he did what God wanted him to do. And so you got to hear that that you don't have to be what you were raised in, Amen. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. Uh, look at uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter five 17. 2 Corinthians, turn there. It's easier to read in my Bible. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this is us believers. This is, this is good work. This is good noise here. <laughs> Maybe not noise, good word. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, we implore you, on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God so all of us no matter what we were raised in through Christ were new right new promises new, new heritage new uh, truths new thinking new walk, new talk new hope New eternal destination, right? New, just because, some of you gotta hear that. Somebody's gotta hear that, you knew. You grew up in something and you're like worried that that something's like gonna be who you are and and then in Christ, if you trust him and give your life to him and surrender to him, you won't, it's new. Josiah changed, he didn't follow dad's footsteps, he didn't follow grandpa's footsteps. He was a good king and a godly king, okay? Okay? Third point, look at 2 Chronicles 34 3. Back to, back to Josiah. I actually have a nephew named Josiah, and we call him Siah. So sometimes it's a little weird. Like, I want to say Siah. 2 um, Chronicles 34 3. Uh, For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet a boy, he began to seek God of David, his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the Asherim and the carved and metal images. You see what's happening here? Eighth year, so what happened is he became king at eight. He survived just being a kid. At 16 years old, what happens here? He starts seeking God. He starts seeking God. And for four years, then he starts, he seeks God, and then at 20, he starts tearing things down, destroying all the idols, destroying all the the high places that were built, right? Isn't that cool? So what am I saying here? Third point, you gotta seek the Lord, dot, 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 before you can change the kingdom. Some of us have this motivation, is I wanna change my world. You do, praise God for that. I wanna make a difference for Jesus. I love that heart. I wanna do something that's gonna last. Am I making a big enough difference? Am I doing what really counts? And I'm gonna say this to you, if you're not seeking God, I'm gonna say what you're doing may not be the thing you need to be doing. What we must do is seek God first. Remember, there's a lot of scripture on this. Apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus says. Abide, abide. Remember, you and Jesus can do great things. You, for Jesus, can't necessarily do great things. Did you hear me on that? A lot of people think, I'm doing this for Jesus. Why don't you go seek Jesus and the spirit of the Lord, spend some time with him, trust the word, grow in him, and then ask the Lord where I should go and what I should do, rather than we have a tendency to tell God what, where we're gonna go and what we're gonna do. That's good, you gotta hear that. That's helpful, <laughs> that's helpful. That's helpful. Because that's what some people do. They're like, they're, they spend their life, I'm doing this for God. And they needed to spend some season of seeking and asking and trusting and what letting the spirit of the Lord speak to them. And then you end up where you're supposed to be, producing the fruit that you're supposed to do. And 30, 60, and 100 is produced through your walk, through your life, through your talk. Amen? You guys with me on that? So let's seek, seek. John Piper says it this way. What it means to seek. Seeking, continually Seeking. What this means practically, both Old and New Testament say it is a setting of the mind and heart on God. Setting of your mind and your heart on God. It is the conscious fixing or focusing of our mind's attention and our heart's affection on God. That's Piper, he's pretty smart with this stuff. First Chronicles twenty-two nineteen 19 says, now set your mind and heart and seek the Lord your God. Colossians 3, 1 through 2. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things on the earth. Some of you might have to not hear anything else I said and walk out of here and say, I heard one thing. I need to go seek God. I need to go seek him like that. I need to just clear my schedule and stop being busy for God and get on my face before the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to talk to? Amen? You seek him, you're gonna find him. (laughs) I promise you that. He promises you that. Seek, you'll find. It's good. He's good. He wants to be found. He just wants you to seek him. He wants you to seek his will. All right, and the final last point, get you out of here, Three minutes. Jeremiah went too long. Oh, come back next service. I'll just pick it up, but I'll make it quick. The final point is 2 Chronicles 34. I want you to see this because this is is paramount to our lives in in the season we're in, especially. 2 Chronicles, I want you to read with me. We're going to be in 34. This is Josiah's life a little further down the road. 34, 14, and 15. I want you to see this. I'm sorry, I'm gonna go five minutes over, but it's just what it is. 14, 14 and 15. While they were bringing out the money, they had been brought into the house of the Lord. Hokiah the priest found the book of the law and given through Moses. Then Hakiah answered and said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hokiah gave the book to Shaphan. Okay? Now, what happened here? Remember, Josiah at 20 started cleaning house. He personally ran a crew, and they went and they just started demolishing all the high places and the idols and all that nasty stuff. And he even did some crazy stuff with the bones of the the burning on the bones of the priests of those folks. Josiah made he he went to action. But this is what happens now. After he cleaned house, he starts to build God's temple back. He starts hiring people and getting things going. He said, "We're going to get this temple up and going." And in the process of getting up the temple up and going, these folks find a book of the law. It's believed to be Deuteronomy. Okay, though. so mind you, that's how messy Israel was or, or Judah was. That's how mis- messy it was, guys. That's how they don't, the book of the law, what's that? Oh my goodness, where were they at? So, but look, so what happens is, and when the king heard the words of the law, 19, and when the king, they took it to the king. They found the book of the law, Deuteronomy, the law of God. And when they, the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. Josiah, King Josiah, tore his clothes. Taurus close, okay. What's Taurus close? Taurus close in their context is where you would you repent. It, it's it's a remorse, a sorrow, a repentance. Okay. Now 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 let's go on to nineteen to twenty-one. I think I just read that. Okay. I want you to see, and this is going to make sense. Twenty-seven through twenty-eight. Because your heart was tender. Oh, now I'm going to hold off there. I'm going to I'm going to talk about this. Yeah, you're right. I'm talking to myself. I just said you're right to myself. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to get this done. So, so listen, what happens here is they find the book of the law, they bring it to King Josiah. King Josiah reads it. King Josiah repents. He repents. He tore his clothes. Let me ask you this. This is, this is heavy, it's weighty, but this is church. When you flip through this and you read something that you're like, ah, and you do, and I do, and we do. Do you tear your clothes in the sense of your spirit? Do you have remorse, sorrow, and repent? This is huge, right? We live in a day and a time, I'll be honest, a lot of people don't. They I told Andrew I'd tear something out of my Bible, and he said people wouldn't like that, so I won't. But we have a tendency to shh not that page. Not that page. Not that page. Instead of tearing our hearts in humbleness and repentance, we tear up the word of God and say that was, that's for then, that's, that's outdated, that can't work anymore. Right? Good, I'm talking not even the weird stuff, I'm talking good fundamental doctrine, good teaching, Bible judging, Bible stuff that's been for years. Now it's under attack by people that call themselves Christians. People that claim Christian, Christianity. That's not for now. But Josiah, when he found it, what did he do? Okay, Verse 27, look at this, and I close with this. Verse 27, because your heart, this is, okay, so the, this is the context. Josiah said, guys, go talk to the prophet. Actually, it turns out the prophet's a woman. Pretty unusual, but she was a woman. And so this is the word that he said, find out what God is saying to me, King Josiah, and what I should do about this. And this is, what, this is what the Lord says. Because your heart was tender, and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and his inhabitants, and you have humbled yourself before me and have torn your clothes and wept before me, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Behold, I will gather you in your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace and your eyes shall not see the disaster that I will bring upon this place and its inhabitants. And, the, and they brought back the word to the king. Do you see what happened here? Josiah, can we learn from Josiah and can we just sit on that? He was what? His heart was tender. When you read the Bible, when you come across the difficult stuff and you do and I do and we do, you can have a hard heart or a tender heart. You can ask God to give you a soft heart as you read it so it changes you. Are we humble? He humbled himself before God. Are we humble when we read the Bible? Or are we trying to prove it right or wrong or get an argument? Are we humble before the presence and the word of God? Do we weep? And maybe not physically weep, but when you read it and you're wrong and it's right, do you repent? Do you say, God, I struggle with this? Just be honest, you can be honest. I struggle with this, God. I do this gossip or backbiting or, or whatever's in here and it's warning against. I do that, Lord. It's not just a big condemnation book, it's a help book. So then that you can bring the Spirit of the Lord in and say, Lord, help me. I struggle with this. I struggle with this. Something the Lord put on my heart is he said, when you struggle with things in the Bible, I want you to hear this. Go talk to the author. Well, wow, who's the author? I can't find... Peter, I can't find Paul. No, the author is the Spirit of the Lord. We have a tendency when we find tough scriptures to understand, we go find lots of authors. We could find, I, could, I mean, you could find 100 books that say it this way, and you could find 100 books that say it that way. You could find 100 podcasts. But the most important thing is, is when you find something in the scripture that's tough for you to understand, tough for you to follow, tough to you, for you to submit to, you must go talk to the author and do it again, and do it again, and allow him to soften your heart. He's God, he's a living God, right? And that book's alive, it's his word. I'm gonna pray and send you out of here. Lord, I thank you for this group. I thank you, God, that you are moving in this church and in this group, and that you are giving wisdom and insight that we will not stand in the way of young people coming to you. Father, I said a lot, and so I pray, Lord Jesus, the things that I said that need to stick, stick and all the other stuff just falls to the wayside. Father, will you change us? Will you shape us? Will you help us? Will you equip us? Father, bless my friends here, Lord. Let them just just feel like, oh, I, I can do this. Help us to fall deeply in love with you.